Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. Here, here's your final tally in the Electoral College. This is for the history books, Wolf. 306 electoral votes for Joe Biden, 232 electoral votes for Donald Trump. As you noted, that is an exact reversal of what it was four years ago when Donald Trump had 306 electoral votes on election night. So. In 2020, Democrats won the presidential election. Take a look at Georgia specifically. Uh, You noted no Democrat has won this since 1992 when Bill Clinton won. It has been a 10-year project for the Democrats uh, trying to... More than 3 million Georgians voted early. The largest total turnout for a Georgia runoff before this one was only 2.1 million. So many records broken. Republicans now are re-examining election laws across the country, especially in light of President Trump's election fraud claims that are totally bunk. President Trump once again made false claims about the election, tweeting that he won big. He also aired his grievances at a rally in Georgia. What we're seeing in states like Georgia in particular is that there's proposals that would result in either a very severe curtailing of the access to the polls, rolling back no excuse absentee voting would roll that back, which Democrats used in 2020, or other changes that would kind of chip away at it. So it's kind of like, if you can't win the game, change the rules. Yeah, there's a degree to that. What they'll actually change remains up in the air. There's significant disagreement within their own caucus about what they will do. But they're certainly looking to change the rules, yeah. I'm Jeremy Siegel. This is Politico Dispatch. And today, Zach Montalero on how in the aftermath of Trump's loss in November, Republican lawmakers across the country are making a big push for new restrictions on voting. So to understand what's going on in Georgia right now and even across the country, you need to go back a little bit. The 2018 Atlanta Press Club Loudermilk Young Debate Series. This is the race for Georgia governor. Georgia has been one of those states that has been kind of moving in Democrats' direction, but they never quite got there. I think we saw that most obviously in 2018. This is the debate among candidates for governor of Georgia. So let's meet the candidates right now. They are in alphabetical order. First, Stacey Abrams. A Democrat is the first woman to lead either party in the Georgia General Assembly and the first African-American to lead Georgia's House of Representatives. Stacey Abrams, a Democrat, ran against the then Secretary of State, Brian Kemp, for the governorship. Mr. Kemp, you have been our Secretary of State since 2010. Can you stand here tonight and say, as overseer of our state's elections, there is no attempt on your part or your campaign's part to suppress the minority vote that would likely benefit a minority candidate? Absolutely not. And, and voters should look at the numbers and know. It was a very, very close election, a very tightly contested election that now Governor Kent ended up winning by just a little bit. The Democrat lost the race by 55,000 votes, one marred by allegations of voter suppression, mainly among black voters. But that election kind of really laid the groundwork. It showed Democrats across the country that, oh, man, Georgia really isn't totally written off. Maybe we could do well here. Uh, And Stacey Abrams in particular attracted a lot, a lot of national attention. Former Georgia gubernatorial candidate Stacey Abrams will deliver the Democrats' rebuttal to the State of the Union tonight from Atlanta. Stacey Abrams is known as the voice and future of the Democratic Party, but delivering the State of the Union response... The last two years, basically, since that 2018 election, there was a lot of a focus on registering new voters and actually teaching them how to vote. 
Georgia is one of those states that has no excuse mail voting, meaning that anyone can vote via the mail, no excuse absentee voting, that you don't need an excuse to do so. You don't need to be old, you don't need to be infirm, you don't need to be out of the country. And Georgia also has very extensive early voting as well, too. They have a very long time that you can vote in person early before Election Day. A lot of education goes into telling people, hey, you know what? You don't have to vote on the first Tuesday in November. You can basically vote in Georgia for an extended period of time, early voting, mail voting, whatever. Uh, As I don't need to tell anybody, there was a pandemic this year that really kind of screwed up everything in this country, but especially how elections are run. Election day is still 34 days away, but countless people here are not waiting. They are voting right now. A record number of mail-in ballots have been sent out and a record number are already coming back in. In Georgia, a lot more people voted via the mail than in years past. But because of President Trump, most of those people were Democrats. Democrats spent a lot of time, both in Georgia but across the country, telling people, you can vote by mail. You can vote safely in this election. You don't need to go to vote in person. If you don't want to, you can vote via the mail. While President Trump did the exact opposite. We're not going to go to uh, uh, voting by mail. Literally, actually, uh, saying mail, mail voting is fraudulent. Brought with uh, fraud and abuse. It's not fraudulent, to be clear, but he said mail voting is fraudulent. It, you know, it's unsolicited ballots, which is something he more or less kind of made up in a lot of these states. What ended up happening in Georgia, as everyone is well aware, is that now President Biden won the state incredibly narrowly. He sneaked by by the skin of his teeth in Georgia. And it was kind of a surprise. You know, I'm maybe telling on myself a little bit, but Georgia would have not have been of all the swing states that flipped. Georgia would have not been at the top of my list. And then we had the two Senate runoffs. That big runoff election just yesterday, uh, two Senate races, unprecedented turnout, more than four and a half million people in a January election turning out, more than 70% voting via mail, um, more than a million coming out to the polls. CBS News projects that both Democrats have won those two seats really extraordinary. So Democrats won January 5th. This is a landmark election. Now you're reporting that after those victories, Republicans, state Republicans in Georgia are working to essentially undo those Democratic advances that we've seen in recent years. How are they trying to do that? Yeah, the biggest one is probably there was a proposal from the state Senate Republican caucus to get rid of no-excuse absentee voting entirely. That means it would only qualify certain people, the elderly, if you're out of the county on election day, if you're deployed overseas, if you're military. That was the big proposal from the state Senate Republican caucus, saying, well, listen, we think this is ripe for fraud. To be clear, there's been no fraud proven. (laughs) Georgia, in fact, had an audit, a recount, all these things that nothing turned up any sort of fraud. Even the Republican Secretary of State said as much. But a major block of Republican lawmakers, in fact, the Senate Republican caucus there, proposed that. So there's other things they're looking at, too. There's been proposals to get rid of drop boxes, which is if you do have a mail ballot, if you do have a ballot that you could send back via the USPS, but you don't necessarily trust the USPS for whatever reason, you could drop it in a drop box. There's been proposals to roll back, limit where those could be placed, eliminate them almost entirely for other Uh, outside of being in front of election office. Those are up in the air too. And then the third one is voter ID. Georgia is already a voter ID state. In Georgia, if you're voting in person, you have to have a voter ID to show it. Uh, That's not necessarily the case right now for mail ballots. Instead, it's been signature matching there. So the most likely proposal to get through is 
making Georgia a voter ID state across the board. That means if you want to vote via the mail, you'd have to submit a copy of your ID, either when you submit the ballot, when you return the ballot, or some mixture of that. Um, and that right now seems to be the most likely thing that will happen. And, and voter ID laws are interesting, too, in the fact that they're pretty broadly popular. A lot of public polling will have, you know, even the majority of Democrats say, yes, I think there should be a voter ID law. Up to 75% of Americans in a 2018 poll said that, yeah, there should be voter ID law. But activists and advocates and voting rights groups say, sure, in the abstract, but the groups of people who don't have voter IDs, who don't have photo IDs, are the ones that would disproportionately be left out of this process. Poor folks, some certain uh, communities, some minority communities, some of, the, some of the elderly, people who don't have photo ID and don't have a readily accessible way to get one, they would then be left out of this process, is what a lot of uh, advocates say. Is this something we're seeing happen in other states in the aftermath of November 2020? Yeah. So what makes Georgia fairly unique among a lot of these close competitive battleground states is that Georgia right now is still controlled entirely by Republicans, Republican governor, Republican legislature. There's no Democratic majority leader. There's no Democratic governor. Um, but we've seen proposals in other states, in Pennsylvania, in Michigan, uh, in Wisconsin, basically pick your state that was hotly contested. Uh, we're going to see proposals to somehow restrict access to the polls. Some of them are fairly small, making tweaks, maybe changing some level of eligibility. And then there's, of course, the bigger ones, like totally eliminating no excuse absentee voting, which would affect a lot of voters, certainly, and then a lot of Democrats, obviously, because Democrats were the ones who used it in 2020. The big difference in a lot of these states is, is there unified Republican control or not? In the case of Georgia, yes, Republicans control the governorship and the state house. So they will decide basically among themselves what they will pass. If you look at a Michigan, a Pennsylvania, the answer is no. There's a Democratic governor and a Republican legislature, meaning that any changes to election law would have to be more or less bipartisan. Um, it's the states that have unified control. Georgia, Texas, maybe Arizona, but Arizona has a little bit of a different culture when it comes to um, voting via the mail than a lot of these other states, that we could see kind of more of a focus and Republicans in those states passing laws that will effectively make it harder to vote. So in those states, Georgia included, it's like they might be swinging blue or in Georgia's case, they have at least in national elections. But Republicans are using their power at the state level to change the rules so they can hold on to their control of their state. Yeah. And some of them say it very bluntly. There was a local Georgia election official in a, in a large suburban Atlanta county who said, you don't have to change all the rules, but you do have to change them enough that we can win. And that was a Republican official saying that. Others say, listen, my constituents didn't trust this election, which is true. There's a lot of people who didn't trust this past election, but the root of that was not a failed election. This election, by basically all legitimate accounts, was run very smoothly. It's that people in the Republican Party have kind of played into this narrative of that there is a massive fraud, that there was a steal of this election, and regular people will believe that. They'll listen to their political leaders, they'll believe that the election was stolen if you say it was stolen, when it wasn't. There's been no evidence of widespread fraud in this election, in basically every election in the U.S. Zach Montalero, thanks so much for talking with me. Jeremy Siegel, thanks for having me. Also today, 
Some top health officials in the Biden administration are expressing concern about limited coronavirus vaccine supplies, but are staying optimistic that rollout of the shots will improve. In an interview with Fox News on Sunday, CDC Director Rochelle Walensky said she thinks supply will be, quote, the most limiting constraint early on, but that the administration's hopeful that after the first hundred days, production will ramp up. State and local officials across the country have warned in recent weeks of dwindling vaccine supplies, saying they're on the brink of running out of doses. Walensky acknowledged the supply issues, but said data she's seen indicates the problems are an immediate concern and not a long-term issue, adding that they're hopeful the problem will ease by March. And Russian officials are criticizing the U.S. Embassy for its statement about nationwide protests over the weekend, where more than 3,500 people were arrested. On Saturday, thousands of protesters took to the streets in dozens of cities across Russia, demanding the release of opposition leader Alexei Navalny, Putin's most well-known critic, who was jailed last week. During the demonstrations, embassy spokeswoman Rebecca Ross said on Twitter that, quote, the U.S. supports the rights of all people to peaceful protest and freedom of expression, and that steps being taken by Russian authorities are suppressing those rights. The embassy also tweeted a State Department statement calling for Navalny's release. On Sunday, a Putin spokesperson criticized those statements, saying they interfere in the country's domestic affairs and encourage Russians to break the law. Subscribe to Politico Dispatch wherever you get your podcasts. And if you want to help us out, you can do that by leaving a rating and review in your favorite podcast app. I'm Jeremy Siegel. Thanks for listening.